See, a lot of people think uh, the Wisco Sports Show starts every day at 4.02 p.m. That's actually not true. What I do is, is I watch the clock count down. And I have a little timer here on my screen that helps me know when to start. And actually, it goes 10, 9, 8, 7. And then it gets to zero. And then I look at my other computer screen and make sure that's good. And then I look back at the clock. And then I and then I look back over here. And then I look over here. It's a lot like the like the play clock in the NFL. Zero is more of a suggestion. So now the clock has hit zero. Everything on my other computer looks good. I'm going to triple check that the clock is at zero. Okay, now we can begin. Here it goes. For the win from 31, Crosby, right down the middle. I like we got into a rhythm in the second half with some of the play calls. I settled in and usually don't have two terrible halves. So I kind of returned to the form I expected myself and then we started moving football. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I kid. Uh, I kid. The Wisco Sports Show does start at exactly the same time every day. Crisp and clean at 4.02 p.m., unlike the NFL's play clock. It's fine. I'm not that mad about that missed delay game yesterday. The Packers had a million chances. However, you know, who knows if they call that correctly. Maybe one radio host in particular feels a little bit better about all of the predictions he made on last week's show. No one specifically, just speaking in general terms. I think today's Wisco Sports Show is going to be very, very interesting. Because in a span of about three hours yesterday, there were a, a half a dozen things that happened that could carry the show for an entire week. Like the Packers almost losing to a third-string quarterback? I could do a whole week on that. If that alone, that one Packer game, we could talk about that game for an entire week. And we could do that. Uh, now the Badgers. Okay, well, they lost Illinois on Saturday. Big time. And then decided yesterday during said Packer game to relieve Paul Christ of his duties. Could talk about that for an entire week. That That's a, ton, that's a huge story. We could talk about that for hours on end. And then, you know, part of my brain also wants to come on here today and absolutely blast the Brewers for another just insane game yesterday. How did they lose that game? I don't know. And it keeps happening. I could almost talk about the Brewers all week, too, although I'm not going to. We're not going to talk about the Brewers tonight. But just know that if you didn't see their game yesterday, just be thankful that you didn't. Uh, Yeah, I I wanted to make a joke. I don't know if I can make this joke. There's a a wordplay here. For the suicide squeeze that didn't happen and then a wordplay of maybe what you would want to consider committing if you had watched that Brewer game. Suicide jokes are funny, but you get where my my brain is going, right? There were half a dozen things that happened yesterday between the Packers, the Badgers, the Brewers, the rest of the NFL. There's so much that went on yesterday, and I fear that only having two hours tonight, we're barely going to scratch the surface on all these individual stories. So I think tonight's show, very surface level. Right, We're going to go very wide, but maybe not very deep. And then as the week goes along this week, we go deeper, we go deeper, we go deeper. But I'm going to try to cover as much ground today as possible. Going to try to allocate as much time as possible to Paul Chris, a lot to the Packers as well. So everyone gets at least a little bit of what they're coming for today. And then as the week goes along, we can dig a little deeper. But today there's just so much going on. So let's just get right to it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We already have a half 
suicide joke and a play clock joke in the first five minutes of the show. So I'd say we're off to a great start. We are going to talk about the Badgers tonight. Ben Kenny is going to be here at 5.30, or excuse me, 4.30. We're going to do it at 4.30. I connected with Ben earlier this afternoon. I talked to him on the phone for about 10 minutes. I got some of the most pressing, important questions that I wanted answered for this show about the Badgers relieving Paul Christ of his duties. So we're going to hear that conversation with one Ben Kenny of Kenny and Heilprin and the Bill Michaels show, and you hear him on The Zone. So you're going to hear that conversation at 4.30. I want to spend a lot of time on Paul Christ tonight. I want to spend a lot of time on the Packers tonight. I would talk about the Brewers, but we're not going to do that. But just know that they are in my brain, and they're getting a big fat middle finger from me today as well because they deserve it. 608-796-2558. And you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I want to start with the Packers for a few minutes, and then we'll switch to the Badgers. Okay, I want to get to everything today. So if you want to talk about Paul Christ, I got you. If you want to talk about the Packers, I got you. I'm going to try to keep my foot or my feet, both of my feet, a couple different camps tonight. Let's start with the Packers. I am sick over yesterday's Packer game. I cannot imagine how I would feel right now and what we'd be talking about if they lost that game. I think I might be dead. I think I might be dead today if the, if the Packers lost yesterday's game. Like, I am sick over yesterday's results and how that game went. I don't know what kind of shape I would be in or we would be in as a fandom if they would have lost yesterday's game. I understand they got the win. And as I always say, I've said this for years, it's hard to win in this league. You get the W, that's the most important thing. Yes, obviously, I'm not a child. They go to 3-1, and one, they keep pace with the Vikings, they keep pace with a very ugly and unclear NFC. That's important. But the Packers missed an amazing opportunity yesterday to clap a team at Lambeau. That team was right for the, oh, they just were begging to be spanked. And the Packers just would not indulge them. Could have beat the, the, the pulp, the pulp, it was going to say something else. Beat the pulp out of a team at Lambeau yesterday. Build some momentum. It was right there for the taking, and they just they couldn't, couldn't do it. I tweeted this yesterday. Maybe this is a reference that some of you remember. If your brain works a certain way, maybe you, this means nothing to you. That game yesterday should have been a replay of the 2019 Raiders game in which the Packers won 42-24. to The offense is pretty clunky overall in Matt LaFleur's first year. They won a lot of games. They won 13 games, but the offense was clunky a lot of the times. That one Raiders game was the purest, most beautiful game that they played all season. The offense was humming. They scored a lot of points. It was a sunny, warm afternoon at Lambeau. It looked great on TV. It was on CBS because it was the Raiders. It's just chef's kiss. That's what we should have got yesterday. Instead, we got the 2018 Bills game. Remember that game? They won 22 to nothing, and Rodgers was basically throwing a tantrum at halftime and in the postgame presser and mad about McCarthy, and everything was bad. Instead, we got the 2018 Bills game, which they also won, but it hardly felt like a win. I was trying to figure out how to organize my thoughts about this game and how to put it into words. This is what I've settled on. This team plays like a bunch of millennials. I know. I know. Um, sometimes we joke. Well, you know, that's just this generation. You know, I like making that joke. It's funny. But this team, they they play like a bunch of millennials. They're looking for handouts. They're thinking things should be easy, right? And it's led by their 36-year-old quarterback, who I Googled it today, falls within the range of millennials. Millennials are 26 to 41 years old. I'm not a millennial. I'm 24. So I come in right under the gun. I don't, I don't know what that makes me or what my generation is known for. But millennials, man, participation ribbons, handouts, freebies. That's what this Packers team plays like sometimes. And I'm joking a little bit, but I mean, let me give you some examples. 
the way I saw it yesterday, the Packers came out of the tunnel expecting to win easily. Well, it wasn't easy. Rodgers missed a few balls early on, and Rodgers was like, oh, my God, I got I to try. I got to focus. He looked tired. It looked like it was an inconvenience for them to be there, and not just Rodgers, others. Rashawn Gary was locked in. There were certain players. Aaron Jones looked phenomenal again. But a lot of the players, it's just like they, they came out onto the sideline. Matt LaFleur waltzed onto the sideline yesterday. Just, yeah, take some deep shots, have fun. We're going to win. You know, forget game management. <laughs> no, no, God, no. Forget managing down and distance and timeouts and challenges and all that nonsense. <laughs> down and distance, time and situation. In this economy, ha, no way. Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, everybody just came out of the tunnel yesterday and expected the Patriots to lay down. And they almost did. The quarterback got hurt, like, but I mean, the Patriots tried, and it looked like the Packers were not equipped to handle that. I always joke that no one wants to work anymore, but the Packers yesterday looked like a team that came to work, uh, being promised a half day, and then melted down and got all moody when they had to stay until 1 p.m. That's what it looked like yesterday. It's really frustrating. It's like whenever this team has to try just a little bit harder than they expected, they just they suck. Look, look what the Chiefs did last night. They took that game personally. They went to Tampa with a mission to prove to everyone that they were better than the Bucs and they were going to make it obvious. They were angry. The Packers looked surprised that they had to put in effort, and they almost lost as a result. They didn't, and that's important. I'm not going to ever complain about a win. Nice win. On to next week. But a, a really, really great opportunity just wasted yesterday. All right, let's shift to this. I do want to talk about the Badgers a lot tonight. No more Paul Crest. I got to say, I did not think McIntosh, the athletic director in Wisconsin, I didn't think they had it in them. I mean, unreal timing, though. They, I mean, they still tried to bury it, it seemed, because the news broke right after Romeo Dobbs dropped that touchdown that would end the game. They're like, now's a good time. Drop it. Drop it. I didn't think Wisconsin had the stones to do this. I know the Illinois game was terrible. They quit. I mean, they quit. But still, I didn't think Wisconsin had the stones to do this. And I'm indifferent on it. I know a lot of you have called for Paul Christ's job, and I get it. Seems like we're trending towards mediocrity. The standards are slowly getting lower. The results are slowly getting worse. I, I get it. If you've thought that maybe a change in direction is needed, I get it. I also like Paul Christ. I think he's a really good football coach, and I think he's a good fit in Wisconsin. And for the longest time in college football, right, especially pre-NIL, pre-glitz and glamour, pre-conference alignment, you could make hay for a long time if you had the right coach that fit your brand and fit the MO and had, and had a good identity. I'm not saying that's not good enough anymore, but Paul Christ's strength was football, right? He was terrible in front of the camera, which he didn't really care about. He didn't care about interviews, didn't care about optics, didn't really care about lip service to boosters, the athletic department, and that's fine. That's fine. I can respect that. You're about the football but when you're not winning, it comes, you know, a little bit more difficult to get by that way, right? Part of me likes this. Again, I'm a Paul Chris guy, and I'm pretty indifferent on this. You want to stick with Chris? Okay. You want to go a different direction? Okay. Part of me respects Chris McIntosh for making it clear. We will not accept losing at home to Illinois by 24 points. We're not going to accept that. And I know that people like Ben Kenny and a little bit's about to tell us it's not just the Illinois game. Absolutely not. This has been trending in a wrong direction for two years now. I, I get it. But I almost like Chris McIntosh in Wisconsin saying, hey, 
I know we haven't been elite. We haven't met our expectations last year, but this is not going to fly. You can't lose it home to Illinois and Brett Bielma by 24 points. They quit yesterday or Saturday. Saturday. It all starts to run together. That was also Oktoberfest this weekend. I like going on. There's a million different sports stories going around right now. They quit on Saturday. Two rushing yards, five sacks, 10 penalties, three turnovers. They scored three points after the first drive at home. Zach Heilprin wrote this in his two-minute drill, madcitysportszone.com. You can go read it. I thought it was a nice little blurb, so I'm going to read it for you. Even after Saturday, it could not be denied that the program had been trending downward the last two seasons, and we'd seen nothing to suggest a change in direction this year. As it stands, Saturday is the new low point in the Paul Christ era, and there seems to be growing belief from outside the program that he won't be able to get it turned around. Zach wrote that on Saturday. thought that was a really good point. thought that was well-worded. And it turned out that Wisconsin, not just people outside the program, but people inside the program believed that maybe Paul Christ isn't going to be able to get this turned around and we might as well move on. So now Jim Leonard is going to take over in the interim. Jim Polzine in something he wrote at Badgers Extra today. I don't know if Ben retweeted it or somebody retweeted it. I'm not as plugged into the Badgers blogosphere, but I did my best to do my due diligence today. Jim Polzine compared Jim Leonard's situation now to that of Greg Gard in 2015. Like, okay, so that's interesting. So I went back and I was like, how did 2015 go again? That's a long time ago now. And the pandemic makes it feel like that. The, the year 2020 is like three years. It makes everything feel way longer ago. Anything pre-pandemic, anything in the before times, feels like it was way longer ago than it actually was. That 2015 team, remember they lost to Western Illinois? I'd almost forgotten about that. He had to pick that team up. Greg Gard did right off the mat. I think they were seven and five or something like that. Just a terrible start to the year. Greg Gard had to pick the team up off the mat, put together the locker room once again, and then actually do some X's and O's and some basketball coaching. And that team had Koenig and Hap. And remember, they came within an inch of the Elite Eight. They should have beat Notre Dame. God, that was frustrating the way they lost that game. They should have beat Notre Dame that year. There were players on that 2015 Badgers team. Koenig was experienced. Hap was great. Vito Brown was a veteran, quote-unquote, in terms of college basketball. Like, they had some players on that team. I wonder if this Badgers football team is in any way comparable, right? Like, who are the veterans? Who's experienced? Who are the guys that Jim Leonard can immediately wrap his arms around and say, you guys are going to be the guys that help me pick this team up off the mat and make sure we finish the season better than we started? The schedule isn't even that bad. Michigan State looks terrible and... The Spartans are wondering, uh, we paid Mel Tucker a lot of money. What are we going to do about that? Speaking of firing coaches and buyouts, right? They got to play Purdue. They got to play Northwest. It's not like their team is, is bloody murder. They don't have Michigan looming. They don't have Ohio State looming. Nothing like that. The schedule just might not matter because this team doesn't look to be any good. So I know we're going to talk to Ben Kenny in a bit. And earlier today, Ben Kenny, I think one of the things he said in our conversation is this isn't an audition for Jim Leonard. It's more of a, a trial, Right. Feel it out, see what you can do, and then at the end of the year, we'll talk about how you feel about your spot and if you're ready to lead a team and if you're right to lead this team and if you want to take over. I, I just, I, I don't know what Jim Leonard's supposed to do with this team, especially as a defensive guy when the offense looks to be in shambles and it looks like none of the tweaks or the personnel changes that Paul Chris made in the offseason are really taking like we were hoping they would be. Again, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I could see this going well. I could see this going poorly. I like Paul Chris, but I understand why they did it. 
I like Wisconsin drawing a line in the stand and saying, hey, we haven't been elite the last couple of years. We haven't been up to our standards, but we are not going to accept losing to Illinois at home by 24 as a new normal. I know that's not the only reason that Paul Chris was fired. This has been coming, but that seemed to be the the final straw that broke the camel's back. And I respect Chris McIntosh for saying, we'll figure it out, but I'm not allowing this to, to become the new normal here in Madison. And I respect that. Please give me a call or a text. I'd love to discuss this with you. 608-796-2558 if you want to talk Paul Christ and where Wisconsin goes next. We'll chat about this for a couple more minutes when we come back, and then we'll get to Ben Kenny. That's all coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a great weekend. There's only a million different things that went down this weekend. UWL played Whitewater. So let's focus on that on Saturday. Obviously, the Brewers were playing. Their game yesterday was a nightmare. Maybe even worse. Uh, imagine if you didn't watch the Brewers yesterday. Here's how I'll explain it to you. Imagine the Packer game, but the Packers lost. <laughs> that's what the Brewers did yesterday. We're not going to talk about them. But that's flying around in my brain, as I'm sure it's living in your brain as well. Badgers relieved Paul Christ. Oh, yeah, it was Oktoberfest this weekend. Although I, I made pretty good, healthy choices. Drank a lot of water. I was just, I think on Saturday, I was on my feet from like 10.30 a.m. when we first went out to about 10 p.m. when I got back. I think I sat down twice. And once was on a curb. So if you were festing this weekend or maybe you were in Madison, it looked like a beautiful day for a game, although the result wasn't great. I hope you had a great weekend. 608-796-2558. Okay, I figured this would come up before too long. Uh, Jamie at Ken's Barbershop texts in. I'll address this now. He says, after losing my retirement this weekend, betting the pack to cover uh, based on how sure you were, what's your hot take for next weekend? Okay, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. I committed a grave sin on the show last week in telling you to bet money if betting was your thing on the Packers to cover 10 and a half, and then it went down to 10, and then it went down to nine and a half. Losing money betting 10 and a half would be one thing. It's worse if you then doubled down and took the nine and a half as well, which also did not hit the way I did. Look, I committed a sin. My sin was thinking Aaron Rodgers was going to come out and light the world on fire yesterday. And of all the sins that I could commit on this show, of all the takes where I could air, you're welcome. Because I've said like three nice things about Aaron Rodgers the last three years. And this week was one of them. So sorry, I, I believed in our guy, r- whatever. You know, stone, stone me, go ahead. Go go ahead and yell at me, okay? I, I am proud. I'll wear this like a badge of honor. I was wrong and erred on the side of trusting Aaron Rodgers. So you're welcome. I don't do that enough. I should do it more. Thank you, <laughs> Jamie at Ken's Barbershop. I need a haircut, by the way. I've been putting it off. Uh, Alex Wench texts in. What's up, Alex? says, I just have a small amount of faith in a guy who's never run a program in today's age of recruiting and NIL deals. I love Jim Leonard, but honestly think they should hire outside after the year. It's going to be an interesting process. I don't know where they're going to go. I think Ben Kenny did a great job of explaining this. I talked to him earlier this afternoon. I'm going to play for you that conversation coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, I would love to talk to you guys today because I'm sure you all have opinions on this Paul Chris thing. Uh, probably some of you stronger opinions than me. I'm basically right down the middle on this one. I'm indifferent. Okay, so you want to go in a different direction? Can't blame you. Best of luck to you. I'm sure some of you have stronger opinions. Maybe Hector in Alaska, for example. 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? 
Well, Grant, you know, I probably, I don't have a big, too much of an opinion on what's going on with the Badgers being a Michigan fan. But okay. I think if they're going to, if they're going to do, because I'm not a big fan of the middle of the season firing. Okay. Because what if, what if he just needed to get his feet under him and, you know, he could have turned the program around, but we're only what, four or five games into the year. So I think it's a little early sure. in my opinion. Sure. I also think if they're going to go outside of, they need to go big, you know, and I'm not talking big, like, Oh, just kind of big, like bring in like Nick Saban type of big, big guy up there. You know, what about, what about uh, Gruden? Let him get his feet back into coaching, bring him in something like that. It needs to be extreme because I think that's the kind of thing that Wisconsin, like the Wisconsin program needs. They're a well-established program compared. There's a lot of head coaching jobs out there right now. But yeah, compared to all of them, yeah, compared to all of them, Wisconsin is the most established one. So you need, if you're going to get somebody new, you need to get somebody that knows what they're doing kind of a thing. Or it's just going to be the same thing. And Wisconsin is going to be a bottom of the Big Ten kind of a team for a couple of years. And that's not what you guys want. I mean, no, no, I do not. there's no more passionate fans than Badger fans. Uh, no. You when know, it comes to college football. So. Yeah, I, I would agree, Hector. And I, I want to keep it moving today, so I hate to let you go, but I want to make sure if anybody wants to call in and talk about Chris. I, Hector, I agree with your premise. I think your conclusion is a bit misguided. First of all, I, you know, I love Nick Saban. That's not going to happen. Uh, Gruden, you said go big. Okay, I'll go big. You also said extreme. We don't know to need to go extreme. Gruden, <laughs> Gruden's like a terrible football coach. And he might be a terrible human. Like, I, I, where did the Gruden, where did the Gruden takes come from all of the sudden? Especially in college football. Hector, I agree with your premise. Let's, let's tweak the, let's tweak, your, your process is good. You're coming up with incorrect answers, right? I saw it today, I know Ben tweeted out some of the odds for next coaches. I agreed with what Ben tweeted at Ben Z. Kenny that you don't fire Paul Christ early in the season to then go and hire Bill O'Brien. Like you hire your coach or fire, excuse me, your coach early on. So you are vacant. And so other coaches around the country who might be unhappy and might be looking to make a change when they leave early, as Brian Kelly did and others have done, that Wisconsin is open and we're willing to hear, you know, we're willing to let these guys come in. Right. I agree with you. I I like the idea of big. Let's go for it because college football is changing. I also push back on the the idea a little bit that Paul Chris was going to turn it around. Paul Christ's best years were like 20, what, 2015 through 2018, and then 2019 was pretty good too. We're, we're a couple years removed from when it really seemed to be working under Christ. And Hector, you're right. He's not the only coach. Scott Frost has been fired. Herm Edwards, Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, right? Colorado just fired their coach this weekend as well. So I think the Badgers just are keeping up with the Joneses. Again, I like the idea of going big. However, Nick Saban isn't going to happen, and I wouldn't touch John Gruden, NFL, college, high school. I'm staying away from John Gruden. But I, but I like your spirit, Hector. Uh, let's, let's just tweak that take a little bit. We'll work on it. Vagabond John is here. I was hoping to hear from you today. Vagabond John, what's going on? Oh, man, do I have takes for days. I'm in good. the Madison airport, so if it's a little loud behind me. Oh, good. Uh, that's why. Do you see Nick Saban? Did Nick is, has Nick Saban possibly caught a Monday flight? Do you see him anywhere? 
I don't see. I should scout out. I'll, I'll look around on the uh, you know arrivals to see if Nick Saban, maybe yeah. Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah, you why know, not? Maybe the guy from Ted Lasso. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think this feels like one of the boosters sat in the new south end zone section, mm-hmm. had a few too many drinks, sent an aggressive text to Chris McIntosh, who then panicked and said, yep, let's fire him. We won nine games last year. We were a Jim Leonard defense stop away from beating Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota and having another 10-win season. And in- Oh, no. Last year. Oh, I'm losing you, Vagabond John. I, I'm losing you. We're firing. I'm losing you. Shoot, 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 shoot. Oh, no. No, now, now I got you. Just back up a couple of seconds. I, I hope you're back. I think you're back. We're back. You know, 10 wins two years ago is not bad. Nine wins last year is not bad. Agreed. Uh, spending the 12th most money in the Big Ten on recruiting is the issue. Okay. Not having facilities that match, you know, what everybody else in college football is doing is the issue, but we blame Paul Chris, the guy who has the single most successful season. One last point, Barry Alvarez had two separate three-year stints where he went from 10 wins down to four or five wins. He didn't get fired. You know, he was responsible for taking a 10-win successful program down to five wins, didn't get fired. This is... uh, I'm pissed off today. I know it's only really? 24 hours. I'm, I'm, I haven't reached the grieving phase yet. I'm still just in the in the defiant stage or whatever it's called. But I'm pissed off. You got a guy who's winning nine games and he gets fired the next season. This is insane. Well, this I, is exactly what mm-hmm. Nebraska did. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I I see a lot of people comparing Wisconsin to Nebraska, and I I don't know whether to jump on that. Or not. I think every program is different because all these, that's what's cool about college, right? Is all these programs have a different culture and they do things differently. So I, it's really hard. It's apples and oranges to some degree, but also the Badgers are betting. They're making a bet here. Chris McIntosh is betting that Paul Christ would continue at this level or worse rather than turn it around. We don't know. Maybe he would have turned it around or maybe it would have stayed at this level and got worse. They're basically betting that we had seen our best Paul Christ days for right or wrong. That's their bet, right? To me, to me, it's just a big gamble. And, I mean, talk about failing up. You talk about a guy who gave up 80 points in the last two weeks is now the head coach, right? And everyone's, oh, it's a young defense. Guess what? These are, this is his first season with 100% his recruits on defense. He had fifth-year seniors from, the, you know, from Wilcox playing last year. Yep. So, to me, there's a lot of moving parts here. I think it's a big gamble. Um, I think Wisconsin's floor is six wins year in and year out. And I think the ceiling is 10 wins. I think Paul Chris regularly throughout his six years hit that ceiling. And it's very strange to me to fire a guy who hits the ceiling, especially without investing in facilities and recruiting. That's my take. Yeah. And Vagabond John, I'll let you get to your, to your airport things. You have a safe flight or, or whatever it is that you're doing. I appreciate for calling I'll, in. I'll, and keep, giving I'll us keep a watch. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> people watch out for these coaches. Talk thank you. Later. Yeah, have a good one. That's Vagabond John. I was hoping to hear from him today. I don't disagree with anything he just said. I really like Paul Christ, right? I, I We can compare this to Barry Alvarez, and we can talk about 2015, 2016. College football is changing so much. And I, I don't want to be that guy that's, you know, the game had passed Paul Christ by, because that's just such a, that's a casual take. I'm a bit of a college football casual, but I try to keep my takes, you know, I try to keep my takes honest. I try not to come on here and just, 
feed generic takes and generic cliches about college football. But college football has changed a lot. So it's really hard to compare what the Badgers are doing now to what they did even six years ago, let alone in the 90s or the early aughts in like 2002, 2003. College football is changing so much. And for the first time in forever, they have somebody new at the helm. So it's just really difficult. And I love historical precedent. I love looking at a Packer game and saying, this reminds me of this game from eight years ago. I I love historical precedent. It's one of my favorite things. But I I just, man, I I don't know. We're we're in uncharted water here. But look, I really like Paul Christ. I think you could do a lot worse than Paul Christ. The Badgers are are betting that I think Paul Christ's best days are behind him. And I, I, I that's a fair bet to make. I, I think that's a reasonable bet to make. I gave out a bet last week that was I thought was very reasonable. Still think it's reasonable. just didn't hit. Sometimes that's what happens. Uh, let's take Andy from Altoona really quickly, and then we got to take a break to get to Ben Kenny. What's going on, Andy? Welcome. Hey. So I agree with a lot of things um, John just said, too. Like, I, th- I think there's only... So much Wisconsin can do because of other limitations with our program, and that's all Paul all Chris could do. Um, so do I think we can improve from that? I mean, maybe we could be a little more consistent. I guess my thing is I don't know why we're talking about a head coach search. I feel like I don't know why we would not keep Jim Leonard as our head coach. We obviously don't want to lose him as a D coordinator, mm-hmm. so why would we not keep him as head coach? But what I would love to see is I would love to see Jim bring somebody young and fresh as an offensive coordinator, you know, like a – Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, kind of like a Matt Lafleur tree kind of guy, just someone, someone young with a new, a new offense to pump into Wisconsin. Because between Bielema and Christ and Alvarez, we've kind of had the same offense for a long time. It'd be nice to kind of to mix it up a little bit. So I'd like to see that move happen. So I agree with you on the offensive coordinator, and Andy, I, I just got to move at a quicker pace today. You know, I like talking to callers for minutes on end. I love it. Today, I just want to make sure that if anyone wants to call in and talk about this, I, I want to get to as many people as possible. And we only have one phone line. There's only one me. So I'm sorry, Andy. Go Rails. Love Altoona. River Prairie. Beautiful, beautiful country. We were talking about Eau Claire last week. Love Altoona. It makes sense to me. Eau Claire, not so much, as we talked about on Friday. Again, I would love Jim Leonard. I think Chris McIntosh's dream is that Jim Leonard looks amazing, really connects with all the guys, has a great feel of the team, and Jim Leonard comes to Chris McIntosh. They meet at the end of the year and says, Jim Leonard, I'm I'm ready. I got a good feel for this. I think I can do this. Great. I know who I'm going to get as an offensive coordinator. He's experienced. He can come in and be more of the veteran in the room. I can kind of learn as a younger coach. He's only been in coaching a couple years. I think everyone involved wants it to work for Jim Leonard, although they're not going to run away and win a bunch of games this year, but... I think everyone involved, especially Chris McIntosh, wants to see Jim Leonard work. That would be the easiest thing for all involved. So I'm with you, Andy. Let's take a break. We'll get to Ben Kenny coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. Hope you had a great weekend. A lot to talk about. We're not doing the Brewers tonight. We're doing a lot of Paul Crist, and we're going to do a lot more Packers and NFL in the second half of the show. Right now, we brought in a ringer today, ladies and gentlemen. He's in demand these last 48 hours. He's been tweeting, writing, recording, Twitter spacing. He's been everywhere. I got him for about 10 minutes earlier this afternoon. One Ben Kenny. He joined me on the phone earlier today, recorded, and I want to play it back for you. Ben Kenny on what's going on with Wisconsin. Excuse me. Enjoy. Ben Kenny is here. You hear him on the Bill Michaels show, but of course, Kenny and Heilprin, which is twice a week. They are live on Thursdays at Monks, and he's got a special emergency edition, Sans Zach Heilprin, who has COVID. 
uh, thoughts and prayers to our friend Zach Heilprin, who's without a voice, apparently. So, Ben, I could ask you a million different things about the Chris firing and the current state of the football program, but I want your fastball. I want what you are passionate about and want to talk about. So I'm just going to say, let's say you were hosting this show right now and you were about to begin. What would you start with? What would you say to begin? Oh, God. Um, the first place my mind, well, first of all, when I saw the news, when I heard about it, I was floored. This is not something Wisconsin as a program does. Uh, it is really unexpected they would fire a guy that's had this much success at this point in the season. So that led me not to overreact and think, wow, this is crazy. Look at what's happening. But there are a lot of really interesting questions about why now. I feel yeah. like more than anything, I think everyone who's been watching this team play this year can understand the why. The why is that Chris McIntosh, the new AD, didn't think Chris was a long-term answer. So why keep him around at that point? And obviously things are expedited when you get smashed by Brett Bielema in Illinois at home and get completely embarrassed. The why now is what's really interesting because Leonard's name interim and I, he wasn't named the full-time head coach and I, I didn't think he would be right away. Yet the reason they fired Paul Chris at this point is to let Leonard get his feet under him and move forward throughout the rest of this year. But in the scheme of college football today, I saw a lot of national people calling this the SEC-ization yes. of the Big Ten. Yep. I disagree with that. It's, it's, it's what recruiting and the recruiting calendar has done to the sport, yeah. where we saw with Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley, they left their jobs before the end of the season and they needed to get to the next school and have enough time before the early signing period to get a class together. Now, how does a team get one of those top coaches that's going to leave previous school early? Yeah. They have to fire their coach really early in the process. Everything is pushed up so much. So it was very against Wisconsin. It, they played a hurry-up offense for the first time since Russell Wilson, and they fired Paul Christ. And it can go a lot of ways. But the why now, I think, is the biggest starting point because it could be Leonard long-term. I think it is, but the door is open for it to be literally anybody else, too. Okay, so there's a million things I want to follow up on. Let's get to Leonard in a second. You mentioned a couple things you read, and I read one of those same things. I don't remember if you retweeted it or maybe it was Polzine who had some good stuff up today. Polzine uh, pumped a Greg Doyle piece that I read. Pat Ford at Sports Illustrated also had a piece. They were kind of saying the same thing. College football is too ruthless right now, whether it's because of the SEC or not. They're saying, like, all these guys have been fired, and look at all the great things they've done, and we're only, you know, X number of games into the season, and yet all of these coaches have been let go. And you look at the NFL, and that's not the case. Now, you mentioned the recruiting schedule, and then, you know what I mean. It's difficult to compare college to the NFL. But do you think maybe we become a little impatient and we haven't thought about continuity and stability in a program? Do you think it's a problem, or do you just think it's a state of, of all these factors have forced schools to behave this way, like you said? I don't think it's a problem. I think it's okay. different in different places. There are some places across the country. Nebraska is clearly one of them. Their fans get mad and they fire coaches. You see that all across the South. I don't. I mean, Chris McIntosh didn't fire Paul Chris because the fans were mad. Yeah. He fired him because there was a larger thing at play. It Saturday did not get Paul Chris fired. The last couple of years, maybe leading up to it, and that was the icing on top of it. Um, where I don't think it's a problem because the NFL is so structured. It's so cut and dry when you're going to fire a coach. Yes. And he comes in, you get the NFL draft, which is a structured process. You get free agency, which is structured. They hire a new staff. 
college football is the least uniform thing ever. That's what I love about it. There's chaos and everything's happening at all times. But it, it's an era right now in the sport where you can't fall behind. So waiting and maybe being overly patient when you know this is the outcome can come back to bite you. Because as I said, you're not in the running for maybe the best candidates. And then those candidates would have trouble getting a class together. So the more I think about it, the timing makes more sense. The real question is, uh, what direction do they go? That's the most important part. Yeah, well, why don't I ask you about direction, and then we can do Leonard. We're talking with Ben Kenny. He hosts Kenny and Heilprint. It's twice a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays. You can go see their live show on Thursdays at Monk's from 5 to 6. An emergency podcast. No Zach, who's out with COVID. Uh, it's out now, so you can go check it out uh, wherever you normally listen to Kenny and Heilprint. Go find it. You mentioned the last couple of years. So if you look at Paul Chris heyday, it's probably like 2015 to 2018, 13, 14 win seasons, getting to big bowls, winning big bowls, making Big Ten championship games. Is that the standard? And that's the standard we're trying to get back to with whoever coaches next? Or is there a, you know, we need to get past where that was. Is that the standard that, that we're trying to return to is those early Paul Christ years? 100%. Okay. I look at 2016, 2017, 2019 as Wisconsin ceiling. And not to say they can't achieve more, because when you're at that ceiling, there can always be a special year where you get a little bit above it. But in terms of what is what is the peak they can consistently achieve, it is that. Um, they're not trying to change things to uh, become Ohio State and start recruiting five stars and completely change the way they play. Because once you get out of character in this sport, in all sports, that's when you really falter and you lose your identity. I think, I, and the hope should be, they get back to being the 19 level of play, except today, in today's days with the transfer portal, you would hope that in a 2018 season where a quarterback is hurt or Hornibrook struggles, they can go to the portal to fix the quarterback position a lot easier. And that's something they're going to have to do going forward because they haven't done it and it's kind of bit them in the last couple of seasons. But yes, 2016 and 19, that should be the hope. And honestly, that's good enough to, to get you in the race for a Big Ten title even when divisions go away, because those teams were damn good. You just have to get yes. the identity back, the consistency back. you got to start blocking people and you know, all that stuff. All that stuff. Those teams were really good. I think we forget, uh, and we have forgotten. And maybe the pandemic being wedged in there like makes it feel longer ago than it was. Although, like, 2016, 2017, that's five years ago now. But it wasn't that long ago where Wisconsin was elite. Like, they were winning 13, 14 games. It feels so long ago. Again, the pandemic maybe played a role in that. Uh, is it safe to assume that this is Jim Leonard's job to lose? Do you think Chris McIntosh is hoping that Jim Leonard really shows his stuff these last however many weeks and, and makes this an easy choice? And, and is he hoping to hire Jim Leonard? Is that what McIntosh wants, do you think? Yes, because it would continue the tradition of a Wisconsin guy. Sure. But the whole thought that this is a, a tryout for Leonard the rest of this season I think is unfair, and I think it's kind of a, a short-sighted view of what's going on. If you expect Jim Leonard to go 5-2 and two and bring this team to a bowl game, I, I think that's kind of, uh, you're overestimating what this team is. Agreed. Like He's taking over somewhat of a dysfunctional team that just got destroyed against Illinois, destroyed against Ohio State, has a bunch of tough games, I mean, given the caliber that they're playing at going forward. I think this seven games is not a tryout. It's more of a trial for Jim Leonard. If Jim Leonard wants the job and him and McIntosh working together both feel Leonard's ready, I think he has the job. It's not about – he can't lose the job in these seven weeks because how do you take over a team like this and immediately turn it around 
especially on offense. Leonard's a defensive guy. If there's one thing Chris got wrong, it's clearly been the offensive staff and the personnel and all that stuff. So uh, it's a trial where at the end of it, either Leonard will say, okay, I'm ready. I feel like I can do this. McIntosh agrees. He becomes the coach. Or maybe Leonard says, uh, A, I don't want the job, or B, I don't think I'm ready to take it over full time. And then they have the time and the resources to go elsewhere. What does Jim Leonard want? What is he looking for, do you think? Try to try to put yourself in the brain of Jim Leonard. What does he want? He turned down an NFL job, right? And, and I don't know exactly the details of, of what was offered and what it was going to look like in Green Bay. Don't get me wrong, but he's had the options, and he hasn't taken them. What does is, what is Jim Leonard, the man, want? What is he looking for? Ooh, uh, stability, which he's had. I mean, he's young. He's only been coaching at Wisconsin for, what, five years? Four or five years. So he has his whole coaching career ahead of him. I don't think he wants to just jump up and be a coach elsewhere. I think he truly wants to take over the Wisconsin program when he's ready and he thinks he can have a lot of success, which might be now and at the end of this season. It also might not be. But he clearly wants stability. Otherwise, he would be Green Bay right now. We do like to blame the Packers defensive coordinators for everything. By the way, the Packers defense was all right yesterday. Yeah, they gave us some yards on the ground, but... We just we are never going to be happy unless we pitch a shutout. We're not happy with our Packers defense and Jim Leonard living here and being probably a Packers fan himself uh, understands that. So last question I'll ask you, and maybe this is a really stupid question. And if it is, you can clearly tell me so. Uh, is it safe to assume the Badgers don't do this if Jim Leonard isn't the guy like if it's John Smith, who's the next coach on the staff? Like, did they let Paul Chris coach some more games or would they have fired him? and just dealt with whatever. You know what I mean? Was Jim Leonard, like, the deciding factor? Did he give them the comfort to do this now? Um, I don't have a concrete answer to that. I would think not. I think at the end of the day, the reason you do it now is you open yourself to all options possible. Okay. The fact that Chris McIntosh is athletic director, things are different, right? Paul Chris is Barry Alvarez's guy. A lot of the, the people around the program are still Alvarez guys. And Alvarez is still there, still has an impact, but... This is McIntosh's hire. This is McIntosh's real mark on the trajectory of the program. So I think the timing is the same if the result on the field on Saturday against Illinois happens. I see the timing being the same because I don't see this team turning it around. I don't see – like they came out lifeless. That's the most lifeless I've seen Wisconsin ever play. Yeah. Some have played the 2008 being the last time. It's been that bad and that lifeless. I think it would have happened anyway, whether Leonard is there or not. And him being there is a very good thing. Because I think the best outcome in all of this is Leonard's ready to take the job. Uh, he takes the full-time job at the end of the season, hires Tom Herman as offensive coordinator, gets a really experienced, great offensive coaching staff, yeah. uh, pretty much guts the whole offensive staff, brings Bostad back to inside linebackers, and then uh, goes all in to use NIL instead of, as a way to keep players around, as a way to also acquire talent, if you will. And uh, it kind of shifts the thought process that Wisconsin goes by in order to move forward. I appreciate you, Ben. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Ben Z. Kenny. He's been cranking out takes and content and doing Twitter spaces. You are what the state needs in this trying time these last 24 hours ever since this news broke. Appreciate all your content, Ben. Thanks for the time. Thank you, Grant. I will note, uh, for the next couple months, I will be camping out at local bus stops and <laughs> private uh private flight 
runways to oh, find God. when and if Lance Leipold is brought in for an interview. But uh, Bill, Bill used to have him on his show like once a week. Why can't get get Bill to send him a text? Uh, we're working on it. Thank okay, good, 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 good. I just want to make sure we're exhausting all options. Thank you, Ben. All right, thanks. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. We thank Mr. Ben Kenny on Twitter at Ben Z Kenny. Follow him. He's doing Twitter spaces and extra podcasts. If you desire to consume Wisconsin content and Paul Christ content nonstop, uh, basically all week, you, you can do it. Just go follow Ben Kenny. It's all right there. We'll talk more Paul Christ. I want to do more Packers stuff in the second half of the show. We talked about the Packers for like six minutes right when we started the show, and then uh, that was basically it, which is fine, which is fine. The Packers beat the Patriots yesterday. This game will not be remembered four or five years from now. Now, if Bailey Zappi would have won yesterday, then he's a trivia answer for years to come. Uh, but that's the difference between a win and a loss. Glad the Packers won. Goes looking like for long stretches in yesterday's game, they weren't gonna. So I'll take it. Uh, but very disappointed in how it went down. And we'll talk more of that in the second half of the show as well. I also woke up our show Facebook page, Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bill. So if you like the Facebook page, maybe you're not on Twitter. Uh, But you don't want to call, you don't want to text, maybe you want to throw up a Facebook comment. I threw up a post, said, hey, what do you think about the Paul Chris firing? And do you have any suggestions for the next coach? The more outrageous, the better. So far, I'm keeping a list. We have calls for Saban, Gruden, Leftwich, quote, a Matt LaFleur type. And from Eau Claire Chris, I got a suggestion for Eric Bieniemy. So we're, we're doing pretty good. If you have a suggestion, you can tweet it at me, you can text a call. And I even throw up a Facebook post. We're covering all our bases today with a big Packer game and obviously the biggest Wisconsin Badgers story we've had maybe since 2014 when they went to the last Final Four in basketball. Let's take a break, get a Wisconsin Sports Zone update. We'll come back, talk more Chris and more Packers next on the Wisco Sports Show. Here it goes for the win from 31. Crosby right We got into a rhythm in the second half with some of the play calls. I settled in and usually don't have two terrible halves. So I kind of returned to the form I expect for myself and we started moving football. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So we're taking suggestions for the next Badgers coach. Text, call, you can tweet me at Wisco Grant. I even put up a post on the show Facebook page, which I saw. I posted a picture a couple of weeks ago before the Packers season started. And then the last time that anything was posted on that Facebook page was Neil Diamond Week. What a riot. Uh, so I even threw something up on Facebook. I said, hey, hearing coach suggestions. And of course, your thoughts on the... Uh, the firing of Paul Christ. If they're absurd, all the better. Let's have some fun with it. So far, we have a call for Saban, Gruden, Leftwich, quote, a Matt LaFleur type, 
Eric Bieniemy, Luke Fickle, Lance Leipold, and this suggestion from Aaron in Janesville, which <laughs> uh, might not be that bad of an idea. He said, "Hear me out. Hire Urban Meyer for the off season. Let him recruit, and then let him go before the season starts. Brilliance." <laughs> This is the type of outside-of-the-box thinking that we will require to get Wisconsin back to uh, winning the Big Ten West. I'm not opposed. Although, I wonder how that works financially. Maybe that's something we're not talking about enough. 608-796-2558. Give me a call and tell me how angry you are that your tax dollars are being used to buy out a football coach with a winning record. Fix the roads. The potholes. It's like, but what about China? Why are we sending money to China? We have we have other issues. Why are we paying my tax dollars to buy out the, the football coach? We are not going there. I swear, do not call me on that topic. Tim is in Sparta, 608-796-2558. What's going on, Tim? Well, I, I liked your little rant there at the end. I'm sorry, but you're not old enough to be the grumpy old man and get the hell off my yard. Fair. Um uh, <laughs> but this, I think the, I think the Chris thing is was a done deal. I think it was put in place. Otherwise, why would Leonard? I know he's a Wisconsin guy, but why would you, as a coach, a defensive coach, you're offered what looks to be a tremendous job with one of the premier franchises in the National Football League, and you turn it down to say? Oh, no, I'd rather stay in Wisconsin. Really? Nobody's doing that. Yeah. I thought it was odd. I thought it was really odd when it occurred. And I'm like, there's something else going on here. And today we find out what it is. I believe that he was firmly told by the higher-ups that if Chris goes in the tank for whatever reason, we're moving you in the slot. We're going to give you a chance if you... If your team then performs okay for the rest of the season, we're going to hire you. I just, I can't see any other thing that this, you know, how this other, other yeah. works. Don't, name me a coach. Name me a, a, a defensive coordinator at a college level who's going to turn down a chance to coach a professional football team's defense. It's not going to happen in the real world. Here, here's what I think, Jim Letter, and I think Ben Kenny spoke to this really well too. Ben, not Ben Kenny, although Ben is looking for this too, I'm sure. Ben said that uh, that Jim Leonard is looking for stability, right? I, I think he wants job security, and I think he wants to feel happy and secure in where he's working. Think, think of this: Jim Leonard has only been coaching for a couple of years, right? And he's had great success. Jim Leonard has yep. an amazing hand of cards right now, and he is waiting for an opportunity to cash in those cards, to cash in those chips, right? And maybe he's looking at the Packers and thinking, okay, but if I come in here and the defense stinks, I'm out. And now all of a sudden, the perception around me has changed, right? Maybe I'm not a young, hot shot coach. Maybe I'm not in demand anymore. Maybe I'm just a guy at this point then who has, you know, had a little good luck at Wisconsin, came into a good program, succeeded, and then when he went somewhere else, oh, look it, he's not a good coach. I just think Jim Leonard realizes that he's in a great spot and has a great hand, and he's waiting for the right moment to cash it in. I think that's I think that's what's gone on with Jim Leonard, and he loves Wisconsin. Well, you know, I I just I, I disagree. I, I think that this, that he he came to this. Uh, I think people in the administration and the money people 
that really run all the big time football programs said, hang around. Um, the fans don't like Chris, even though he's a, you know, proven to be a pretty good coach. I mean, look at his record. All you got to do is look at his record. You know, he's a been, a, he's been a pretty good coach. Uh, everybody goes through a downturn. If Wisconsin is not going to pony up for the, uh, NIL money, um, then you're going to, if you're Wisconsin, you're going to be sucking build water. Yeah. And, you know, and so I think that if you change coach now, you can, you can, especially somebody that the fans, they didn't understand him. I know that the players all love him and behind the scenes, he's supposedly this great, personable, wonderful guy. But if you watch any of his news conferences, he makes Belichick look exciting. He just—he doesn't really care. Hard to do. He, he, he doesn't put an ounce of energy or thought or effort into preparing to speak to the media, preparing to speak. He just doesn't care. He, he doesn't care. And, I, you know, I've had friends because I'm of that age. Like, I had a couple of friends that I knew who played for the Badgers, right? And I never got anything juicy out of it. I'm like, hey, what's Paul Chris like behind closed doors? Is like, there's no way that's what he's always like. And he's like, oh, no, he's hilarious. He's way different, yeah. you know, because... Because he cares about the football. He cares about his players and the X's and O's. He just didn't really care about the media. And you know what? That's fine. That works when you're winning. And we've seen that with Belichick, too. But when things start going south, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people on the outside that don't see what goes on behind closed doors. No, and that's exactly what's happened here. The the, the money people don't have any faith that he's going to be able to turn this around. Uh, but moving on to, to yesterday's game, um, yeah. the Packers escaped one uh, that they probably should have lost. Um, and that's a great thing because it's going to happen because somewhere down the road they're going to give one back yep. that they should have won easily. Um, I, as I said at the beginning of this season, if they come out of this with – uh, a 12, 11 or 12 wins with all the new players they have on offense, the defense trying to find itself. Although their defensive coordinator, I'd like to, Barry, I'd like to throw under the bus from time to time. There's no reason to play two high safeties when in a soft zone when you have nobody to catch the ball on the other side. But that's another point. Um, yeah. But I, the Packers are going to struggle, I think. You know, it's, it's just going to happen. Now, are they going to be able to, to have all the things ironed out by the time the playoffs roll around? I sure as heck hope so, because I'd see Rodgers this year and next year, and that's it. That's the goal, is that we get this all ironed out by the playoffs. I mean, we're, we're taking steps on the journey right now, and we want to see this team kind of come together little by little. We'll see if that happens. Tim, I'm going to let you go because I want to get as many people in as possible today, but thank you for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's our friend Tim in Sparta. Um, good thoughts on Chris and the Packers. Let's talk about the Packers for a couple minutes. Look, Tim makes a good point. They won a game yesterday they should have lost. All right. Yes, it's always good to, to steal a game like that, but <laughs> the Packers should have lost because the Packers played so poorly, right? It's like the Packers stabbed themselves in the foot and then were still able to finish the race. It's like, oh, good job. But, but they were the ones that stabbed themselves in the foot, right? Like they came out from the beginning like they didn't, really want to try I, I don't get it yesterday was a beautiful day at Lambeau oh didn't it look great place is packed obviously it looked beautiful great fall scene you don't get many games like that at Lambeau where it was just beautiful and 
CBS, I don't love Nance and Romo. They're not my favorite, but they were perfect for yesterday's game because Nance just captures the scenery and the, the beautifulness of Lambeau Field, the beauty. And then the game was kind of a cluster. So I actually thought Romo yucked it up and made it fun. What I don't like about Romo is when a game is incredible and he still feels the need to be kind of hokey. Like we needed some hokiness yesterday. It was just so insane. You had Bailey zap going back and forth there and Rogers who's throwing pick sixes and his hair looks weird. And it was, it, the whole thing was just bizarre. So I actually thought Nance and Romo were, were perfect for yesterday's game, but the scene was great. The stage was set. The opportunity was there for the Packers to come out and knock around the Patriots to the tune of like, 35 to 14, 35 to 17. And they just didn't seem interested in grabbing a hold of it. It would be like me coming into the studio the day after Paul Chris gets fired and the day after the Packers play a wild game and the day after the Brewers lose this unbelievable, painful game, which happens every day. But still, it'd be like me coming in on a day where there's so many amazing stories to talk about and there's going to be callers lining up on the phone to call in and debate and discuss. It'd be like me walking into the studio and be like, eh, I just I don't know. I don't, I don't feel it today. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do the show, right? Come on! If, if you can't get out of bed to do a sports show on a day like today, then what are you even doing? If the Packers couldn't get out of bed to have a blast and run around and light up the scoreboard and and just jump around and smile and play with joy, if they couldn't do that yesterday, then then what's what's up? What's going on? Like this team, I, I said at the very beginning of the show, back near four o'clock, they play like a bunch of. I'm joking a little. They play like a bunch of millennials. They showed up yesterday expecting the Patriots to lie down because they're without their starter. They expected to not have to try very hard. Matt LaFleur didn't really seem too keen on coaching yesterday. Let's just take a bunch of deep shots, and they probably won't work, but whatever, the Patriots aren't any good, so it won't matter. And then at the end of the game, he's burning timeouts on challenges that are stupid, and they're botching down in distance in, in a very manageable, like, they should have won the game in regulation yesterday. They were eight yards away from field goal range, and they had first and 10. And they picked up one yard and then tried to win it on a deep shot to Dobbs. And yes, great. Aaron Rodgers, you made a great throw. But the Packers aren't good enough. They're not talented enough, and they're not potent enough on offense to be that poor situationally. You know what I mean? Like, you... you if you don't have Devontae Adams, it's the same with the Chiefs now without Tyreek Hill, although Kelsey was brilliant yesterday. The Packers are going to have to be sharp situationally. They're going to have to manage the clock really well. And they're going to have to find a way to get those extra three points, or those extra six points going into half or at the end of regulation yesterday. The, the Packers need to be great in that spot. Tie game, 40 seconds left or, or whatever it was, and you're eight yards away from field goal range. You're right there. You have three plays to pick up eight yards or get yourself in your manageable fourth down to try to then pick up the first down, run the clock out, and kick it. That's the type of situation where top to bottom, Matt LaFleur to Adam Stenovich to Aaron Rodgers to everyone in the field, they need to be in lockstep. The Packers need to be a team that can execute really, really well situationally. Aaron Rodgers is experienced, is as experienced as any quarterback in the NFC other than Tom Brady. He's played a million games. He's lost a million playoff games, so he knows how it goes, right? He knows what not to do. He knows what to do. He knows every defender on the field, and if there's an extra one, he can draw the, the 12-man on, on the field penalty. He can get free plays. Aaron Rodgers is such a great te technician of football. This team needs to be great situationally. They need to be buttoned up. They need to be able to do the little things well because they're just not talented enough. 
they're not going to be able to play ugly and hang 42 against a team. That's just, that's not how this team, at least right now, through four games, that's not how they're set up. So it was really frustrating for me going into halftime. Okay, like, hey, you throw a pick six. It's like, come on. Rashawn Gary gets you the ball back. You can't do anything with it. They're burning timeouts. They're not managing the clock well. And then at the end of regulation, you're heaving up a Hail Mary. And yeah, the ball was great to Romeo Dobbs, but Romeo Dobbs is playing in his fourth NFL game. You put the game in his hands instead of just picking up eight yards and kicking a field goal and getting out of there with an ugly win. Like that was the frustrating part of yesterday's game. They're not good enough situationally. And they didn't seem interested in, in like playing yesterday. Rodgers was yawning on the field. No one really had energy except for Rashawn Gary on the defense. And we can talk about the defense because I'll go to bat for the Packers defense anytime. People love, like Tim and Sparta said a couple minutes ago, I'll throw Joe Barry under the bus. The defense wasn't that bad yesterday. The defense wasn't that bad against the Vikings. They weren't that bad the last two. It weren't that bad against the Bears, right? Oh, it's just, it's frustrating. This Packers team is frustrating, but they did win. And ultimately that's what matters Getting by week to week, keeping pace with the Vikings, keeping pace in the division, keeping pace in the NFC. Absolutely, I get that. But it just seemed like the Packers had a couple different opportunities to really blow my doors off yesterday and really take a step in the right direction, and they just squandered it. And and part of that squandering seemed as though they weren't interested. It's like, yeah, we, we could blow a team out today. We could be really sharp executing in situational football and in the two-minute, but meh, maybe next week. That's what's really that's what's really grinded my gears today. 608-796-2558. Couple of texts on the Badgers. I'll get to those coming up next, and we'll talk more Packers as well, especially the defense. I, I gotta say some things about this Packers defense. Because I think Packers fans, we're getting it a little twisted. We're a little confused on how defense works in the NFL and how this Packers defense works. So we'll talk about that. And I want to keep taking your calls and texts on Chris as well. If you haven't gotten in and you wanna blast your opinion on the airwaves about what the Badgers are doing and what comes next, I'd love to have you. 608-796-2558. It's a chaotic show today. You could be a part of it. We'll be back. The Wisco Sports Show returns in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills, a lot to get to tonight. A lot of Paul Christ, a lot of Packers, a lot to talk about this week. I think the show's only going to get better as the week goes along because today I'm scrambling. We're trying to get to everything. I want everyone who calls in to talk about Chris to be able to do it. And if you want to talk about the Packers, I want to do that too. But I think as the week goes along, we're going to get a little bit more dialed in on specifics. But today we're just scrambling to cover it all. And I want anybody that wants to get in to be able to get in. So we're moving at breakneck speed. Daniel is in Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daniel? What's up, Grant? Uh, not much. Not much. I'm kind of sad about Paul Chris more than I think about it. I was just looking at some pictures. I'm like, ah, I'm going to miss this guy. Uh, I think you think you're going to miss him, but at the end of the day, uh, he didn't get the job done when he needed to. And but. You gotta gotta kind of count your losses sometimes when you're an AD, especially when you're a new athletic director. So, I, I think that's just kind of what had to happen. Do I you called to talk about the Packers? Oh yeah, hit, hit me, hit me then. Let's do Packers too. We can do both. Well, I, I just wanted to say that 
I think that Aaron Rodgers is like maturing a little bit in front of our very eyes. Oh, um, yeah, because Romeo Dobbs had a kind of ugly fumble on his first touch, and he didn't like shy away from him for the entire game, like he does has done his entire career with anybody who does anything wrong during the game. True, he for like the first time ever went back to someone who had like a major costly error at the beginning of the game. And I, and I, and I saw that as growth. All right. I can take that. All right. I, I wish, and just the timing, sometimes with the Packers offense, what drives me nuts is timing. The Vikings game week one, they would find good things and they would move the ball and then they'd go away from it. It's like, well, we had it. It was right there. It was in our hand. And yesterday felt a little bit of the same. Like at the end, they took that shot to Dobbs. It's like, great. Except in this situation, maybe just get the first down to Randall Cobb, who seemingly can get open on command on third and eight or whatever. It just, I, I don't know. They were lucky to get out of there with a win yesterday. I, I, I hear what you're saying about Rodgers going back to Dobbs. I also just want Rodgers to not throw it at Dobbs' feet on that. But, like, Rodgers is a little spotty early on. That wasn't exactly the easiest catch. No, it wasn't. But I I, I just, I got to give them some props where they're due. Yeah. And, I mean... I think that a lot of people either expect perfect 2014 MVP Rodgers or they expect nothing from Rodgers. And and sometimes, like, when you're 38 or 39, you kind of get in between there. Sure. You're not going to get perfect from him all the time. So just kind of being happy with the good stuff from him and then appreciating the progress and then also understanding that he's going to throw a pick six here and there and he's going to throw more picks than he has before. Because he's actually getting old, amazingly enough. Yeah, it does happen, and I agree. And, Dan, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, that's our friend Daniel and Madison. I agree. It's like we have such high standards of our quarterback. We have such high standards of Aaron Rodgers, which I get. But sometimes in this Matt LaFleur offense, when you have screens that are set up behind the line of scrimmage or you know, quick outs to the flat to Aaron Jones, like inches matter on those throws. So I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers needs to be perfect all the time, but with some of these quick hitters and the, you know, the ball's coming out quickly and the average depth of target is very low and sometimes even behind the line of scrimmage, the ball needs to be not a little to the left, not a little to the right. It needs to hit Aaron Jones in stride because that's the difference between him getting outside the linebacker and up the sideline for 12 yards and being tackled for a gain of one, right? It's those little things with Aaron Rodgers, especially early in the game. He wasn't dialed in yesterday. And Dobbs has got to hang on to that football both at the end and at the beginning, but certainly wasn't the easiest catch. I'm um, talking about the one that he fumbled at the very beginning. 608-796-2558. David Minone is here. Dave, I got to say, I heard your call to over the line this morning and thoroughly enjoyed it. I love the passion. Well, yeah, we, well you're dealing with idiots like RJ. You, you, you know, so, you have, so, so basically, uh, to reiterate to all your, your clones out there, mm-hmm. I... I, I I mean, well, I, I knew Paul Chris was going to be gone. I mean, the first sign was when Benton came out and criticized the passion and the heart, and, and that, that had to come from somewhere. But I got to tell you, man, Jim Leonard is in, is in a no-win situation. He's going to fail miserably. You cannot come into a middle of situation, and all of a sudden, people that are loyal to Paul are, are, are not going to like you. You're, you, you, you're, you're not going to get the respect. And when you mark my words, clones. He's going to win two games, and then they're going to get all excited, and they're going to give him a five-year contract. And it's going to be a mistake because 
You can't. You cannot bring hire from within somebody who's worked under you to then go over you and the rest of the coaching staff. There's too much animosity. It's not going to win. But it, it, you know that, that aside. I'm sure Brett Bielema. He had to be having a massive hard on on Saturday. <laughs> To come into camp for hell and get enough of that pecker football. Yeah. Here's why I'm going I'm to tell you why Green Bay is going to lose the first playoff game. Oh, wow. most, people watch, well, most people watch TV. I have Wayne Laramie on, and John Coons does the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And if you ever get a chance, Bob fans, turn the, turn the TV down, listen to John Coons and, and the sidelines. That guy is one smart man. He said that during the game, the Elizard mentioning him during the week, the reason they struggled against Tampa Bay is they couldn't get open. Are you ready for this? Against man-to-man coverage. Mm-hmm. That's why you see New England went man-to-man yesterday and shoot them up, spit them out, and when they went zone, Rodgers won. How in the hell, if you are any good at all, can you not get open against man-to-man? That tells me a couple of things. One, you're, you are going to beat nobody in the playoffs. If you can't beat a man one-on-one, Al Lazar, really? But, but anyway, but, you know, John Kudbrus, he, he brings some pretty good, pretty good um, intellect to, to the game on the mm. sidelines. It's, you know, I can't remember. But there was one play where he knew what the play was. It was the fourth quarter. He knew what he was going to run. It was to the tight end. And that was the play. So, but anyway, I, as far as, you know, as, as Rodgers, the other reason is, mm-hmm. why does this man have to use timeouts? It's just like God, Rogers. Here, okay, no, enough okay. is enough. Here, here's here's something I'll say about the timeouts. Uh, oh, the Packers are playing for a, from ahead a lot of the time, right? So if they're up ten yep. points, I actually don't mind them using timeouts. Like it's a preventative timeout. They're using a timeout right. to to prevent something bad from happening. And if you're right. playing from the lead, that's actually not the worst thing in the world. So I think sometimes don't the timeouts are overblown. But again, Dave, and I said this a little bit ago, this Packers team is not talented enough on offense to be sloppy, no. right? So they, they need to be dialed into these little specific things, the end of the half, but it come back, down but, distance. But it put them in the ass yesterday. Yeah. But it put them in the ass at the end of the game because they would have got that ball back with like 40 or 55 seconds left and Rodgers would have you know, yeah. got them in field goal range. But I'm telling you, that's uh, it's frustrating. And as far as the defense, the defense stinks. That defense, you no, can't give up 190 yards rushing. I don't care who you are. You can't get that many yards up and expect to beat anybody in the NFL come playoff time. They better do something with that, that front seven, or it's. I mean, I mean, look, look what KC did to Tampa Bay. Yeah, forty-one points. Well, Patrick Mahomes. And, look, is it wrong to say right now at this moment in time that Patrick Mahomes is is a lot is significantly better than Aaron Rodgers? Okay, but, but who does he got to throw to? Marquise Valdez. Well, well Juju, we forget Juju, Travis Juju. Kelsey is like Travis Kelsey's really good. Travis Kelsey is very good. double team him. And then you got, and then Green Bay's got, you know, Joel Alexander. You went out and pay him money like you pay Pickle Yellish. <laughs> I mean, there's $25 million wasted. Now, I mean, I mean, sure, you're right. A win's a win's a win. And you, you got to stack them up now because mm-hmm. you're going to get beat at Buffalo. And, but. Can I, the, can the, I, the, I the, before I let you go, yeah. can I ask you a, a a big picture Wisconsin question? I'm curious. I yeah. I was going to pose this to a caller today, and maybe you're the you're the right person. When we look back at the careers of both Brett Bielema and Paul Christ, which one will which one has the better legacy as a Badgers coach? 
Paul Chris by a landslide yeah, because 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 Brett Bielema snuck out in the middle of the night. Brett Bielema is a gutless horse's ass who, in the middle of the night, didn't even tell Alvarez, didn't even tell Alvarez he's leaving. Alvarez woke up one morning and Bielema was gone. He's a he's a he, uh, a gutless coward. Fair. So Paul Chris, yes, his character. You know, his character got, got the better of him when he just got – and his offense is stale. And I keep arguing about my, my, uh, my uh, Allen with the Wildcats. Yeah. You can't have Graham Mertz on the field when you're running a Wildcat. I see you bring that Jimmy GK, what his name is. Yeah. You bring him on the field for Wildcat. But if, if the players want to leave, guess what? Let them go. They got fat. You know, they, they got their wallets. They got their root beer. They got their barbecue. They got their iron jockeys. I love that you're saying that. You know, and Leonard. I mean, I, I, I wish him well. He's a great Wisconsin story. But he's he. Oh yeah, one last thing. Yeah. Now, if McIntosh got rid of um, Paul Christ in the middle of the year, how long is it going to be before you finally clean out with Tony Granado? Now, there's a man who deserves to be fired <laughs> years ago. I can't speak on this. I can't, I, can't, I, mean, I he, he got beat. Yeah. They got beat by a high school team yesterday to, on top of what they did the last four years. And that field house is only going to probably have about 5,000. Why is that man still allowed to have a job? At least Chris had a winning record, but... Yeah. Anyway, like, hey, well, one last question. Yeah, hey, one last question. Did, did, did you get beat up this weekend wearing short pants at Oktoberfest? No. I wore, pa- I wore uh, jeans all weekend. <laughs> Fall. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. I, <laughs> Yeah, and he just hangs up. Yeah, have a good one, Dave. I appreciate the call. I can't speak on Tony Granado. Um, I love that. I love that Wisconsin, relative to like every other program in the country, doesn't really give out money to players through NIL, and Dave still finds a way to get really pissed about it. And it would be, it, it's really funny because you you seem convinced that they're spending their NIL money on root beer and pizza, and I just. I just think that's so funny. I will never get sick and tired of that. Uh, thank you, Dave. I love your fire, and I love your passion. Uh, look, a, a lot of these players have come out. Well, not a lot, but, you know, I, I think the tweet that everyone was referencing earlier today was uh, um, Braylon Allen's tweet about, like, hey, anyone who wanted Paul Christ fired isn't, you know, isn't a real badger or whatever he said. It's like, hey, you guys were the ones who all quit on Saturday and really never showed up to play Ohio State. Like, yeah. You're undermanned against Ohio State. I get it. And this team isn't great, but you're favored against Illinois, and you did nothing. Bunch of penalties. Like, Graham Mertz got sacked, what, five or six times? Like, it just didn't look. If you love Paul Chris and you love playing for him, I I couldn't see it on Saturday. Okay? So, I really like Paul Chris, too. I will remember Paul Chris very fondly. Now, all of the good years were a couple years removed. But Paul Chris did a lot of good things for this program and seems like an awesome guy. I'm sad to see him go. Um, but I understand why Wisconsin made the move. We'll talk more about this coming up next. And also, the Packers' defense is very good. Why do I have to be the only one who says this? We can talk more about that coming up next as well. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show because of the Paul Chris news, we are forced to move our uh, highly acclaimed and highly successful new segment, uh, Club NFL. We're going to do that tomorrow. Reading this quote on Twitter makes me want to do an impromptu NBA lounge right now. 
Tim Reynolds, who <laughs> covers the NBA for the Associated Press, tweeted this. Presumed number one 2023 draft pick Victor Wembanyama on the presumed number two pick Scoot Henderson. Quote, he's a really great player. If I was never born, I think he would deserve the top spot. <laughs> I love that. Uh, speaking of uh, somebody who would be better than me if I was never born, I will join Ebo's show tomorrow morning. <laughs> Over the line. Always look forward to our... No, Ebo's great. And truly, if I was never born, Ebo would definitely be the best radio host on our network. Can't wait to talk to him tomorrow. No doubt. Going to talk about this Paul Chris news and about this Packers game as well. I want to talk Packers just to reiterate my Paul Chris take of, of which I, I don't have a very strong one. I get it. I get what Chris McIntosh is doing. It's brutal. It's ruthless, especially because Paul Chris has Wisconsin ties and he's kind of our boy. He lived in Madison when he was a kid. I mean, he's been around the program forever. It's brutal. It's rough. It stings because I really like Paul Christ, but I, I also get why he did it. Things were trending in the wrong direction. And despite maybe what a couple callers have said tonight, I didn't really get a sense that it was going to trend the other way anytime soon. And if you feel like the program's getting away from you, then step in. And, and as Ben Kenny told us at 430, this is how college football works now. If you want to get a big name hire, big name hires leave their schools early. You need to get rid of your coach even earlier. So don't take it up with Wisconsin. Take it up with college football as a whole and the ridiculous nonstop schedule of the sport. And that's not just a Wisconsin thing. That's not just an SEC or a Big Ten thing. That's that's a sport thing. The Badgers are simply playing by the rules that have really been established, especially recently, right? So the Badgers are throwing their program in the running uh, for any big-time coaches that might be looking to leave uh, towards the end of this season. 608-796-2558. A couple of texts to get to. I've been neglecting these. Uh, I am sorry. Uh, number one about the Packers. Eau Claire Chris says, even Lambeau Field sounded listless yesterday. Yeah, no one had energy going into that game. Why Why weren't the players just amped out of their minds to play in that gorgeous afternoon Lambeau Field environment against a team that was begging to get their ass kicked? They just would not indulge them. Downtown Billy says, I expect Rodgers to be as good as he thinks he is, and I don't think that's an unfair ask. That being said, his ego is the size of a Thanksgiving Day Parade Charlie Brown balloon. That's hyper-specific. Thank you for that text. Uh, And here's another Packers text from Eric and Madison. Or excuse me, sorry, I got to you, Eric. I'll do Pete and Chip one next. Nice. He says, Joe Barry did nothing to do with the Patriots using extra offensive linemen. Look, no one's accusing Joe Barry of of being a schematic wizard here. Joe Barry is, is fairly straightforward with what he does. But I see a lot of Packers fans just upset and angry about this defense and the way that they've performed. And I saw a lot of tweets yesterday. This defense is so inconsistent. Hey, I'm sorry that I have to be the one to break this news to you. I truly am. But it's really hard to play defense in the NFL in 2022. There aren't any defenses that are week in, week out, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, dominating. There's not a single defense in the NFL that's doing that. Not a single one. Defenses are, by structural design of the sport, inconsistent. One drive, they will look amazing, and the next drive, they're going to give up some yards because that's the way the game has been tweaked and refined by the league. Everything is to the advantage of the offense. Quarterbacks are getting better. Wide receivers are better than ever before. The running schemes of especially a lot of these younger coaches that have been coordinators like Matt LaFleur or Shanahan, the running schemes are better. It's hard to play defense in the NFL. 
Ben Fennel tweeted this out earlier today, and I bookmarked it because I thought it was a good point. He tweeted, I felt the Packers defense played fine yesterday versus New England. 271 net yards allowed, three for 11 on third down, three pass plays, uh, 20 plus. So they only gave up three big plays, four sacks, and they forced a turnover. There you go. He continues. They allowed 15 net yards, three three and outs from 614 in the fourth quarter to the end of overtime. Being dominant plus timely and situational is the key. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you for this is what I needed. This is I needed someone else to say this. Look, they gave up how many points in week one to the Vikings offense? It's really good in a game where no one showed up. They gave up 21 points, extra field goal towards the end in garbage time. Yesterday, the Packers defense gave up 24 points. Seven of those were off a pick six. They gave up 17. Sue them. Go ahead, sue them. 17 points. They were without Adrian Amos, without Jair Alexander. Like, that's not bad. You're going to have to live with that week in and week out. And then there's going to be games like last week against Tampa where the defense absolutely stopped anything and everything. Well, they gave up some rushing yards. Oh, my God. Sue them. You're not going to stonewall and force a three and out and a punt every single possession of every single game in every quarter of every week. It's just not how it works. So you force some turnovers here and there. You get some sacks here and there. You take advantage of penalties here and there. And in situational, important moments, like the end of the fourth quarter and overtime, that's when you need to shine. I'm sorry. Am I the only one who watched overtime yesterday when Aaron Rodgers in the offense got the ball first, did nothing, punted the ball away, didn't cover it well, gave the Patriots the ball within 15 to 18 yards of field goal range, which would have won the game, and the defense surrendered nothing. They stopped him right there. Playing defense is hard. Standards are a little too high. I understand this defense is really, really talented, but they're still learning to play together. They're integrating, not new pieces, but you got to understand, Jair was hurt all of last year. Eric Stokes is in year two. They're growing pains. He's still a young player. Rasul Douglas is playing in different roles, especially if Jair comes back healthy. They're going to have three corners, none of which, those three were never healthy at the same time all of last year, right? They're trying to find their third situational edge rusher, which is why I kind of have a lot of FOMO about George Karloftis, and he made some flashy plays for Kansas City last night. Lower your standards with the defense. Watch in specific moments. Third and 10, can you get off the field? The Packers did a pretty good job of that yesterday. End of fourth quarter and an overtime. The Packers defense did their job a couple of times. They gave the Packers offense a chance or two, and then they gave them another chance in overtime to get it done. And they did. This Packers defense is, is not an issue like so many Packers fans say that they are. John Hansen tweets in at Wisco Grant. The wide receiver gloves are stickier than ever. Yeah, that too. It's really hard to play defense. Tampa Bay's defense is unbelievable. That's a collection of defensive talent that I I don't really know if there's a match in the NFL. Maybe Buffalo and Buffalo's healthy, but now Buffalo's banged up. We're waiting for Tredavious White to come back. Micah Hyde has gone down. Their entire secondary's banged up, right? Tampa's as good as it gets. And the Chiefs walked into Tampa Bay last night and hung 42 points on them, which is personally what I thought the Packers offense should have done to New England yesterday. And I know Bill Belichick's got some good scheme and, oh, Matthew Judon's great. Well, okay, put up some points anyways. You're not dealing with an amazing defensive line and an amazing linebacker core and an amazing secondary. You're dealing with a seven-year-old Bill Belichick and Matthew Judon. You should be able to figure it out and make hay. Like, you got to be able to figure that out. Pete and Chippewa says, Zap was the freaking QB. Zappy. Sorry, I said it wrong. Zappy. Yeah, if I have one complaint about Joe Barry yesterday, 
it's maybe he just should have sent the house on every play. Like, that's what the Chiefs did. That's what Spagnolo did to Jordan Love last year. And Bailey Zappi was thrown into the, the fire immediately. Jordan Love had a week to prepare. And Spags is still like, we're going to blitz him on every play because we don't think he can deal with it. Maybe Joe Barry could have done that yesterday. But I swear, the, the Packers give up one 10-yard pass play, and every Packers fan starts complaining, oh, you're playing soft zone. Do you know that to be true? Like, you actually, do you know what you're looking at with scheme? Because I don't most of the time, and you can't see most of the players on the screen. So unless you're getting NFL Plus and you're looking at the All-22 film and you're really breaking it down, I, I think a lot of the complaints that so many Packers fans have about this defense, they're just unfounded, right? When Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, the defense shouldn't need to force a punt every play. The defense did more than enough yesterday. Got a, a bunch of sacks. They're really good on third down. Rashawn Gary got an extra possession before halftime with which the Packers offense did nothing. They actually gave away more points. Maybe the maybe the Packers defense just should have forced a field goal. It would have worked out better. Like the Packers defense is fine, everybody. We can calm down a little bit. Your standards are just too high. Way, way too high. Eric's on a 90. 608-796-2558. What's up, Eric? How you doing, Grant? I am doing outstanding. So many fascinating sports topics to discuss today. Hey, it's a win is a win, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the same of the Vikings yesterday. The Vikings maybe could have lost that game a couple of different ways, and I was going to come on and make fun of the Vikings today, but then my Packers played, so I, I can't quite do that. <laughs> well, I mean, Kirk Cousins was behind on every throw. Every throw. Kirk Cousins was behind. So I'll be like a normal Packer fan who calls in. Mm -hmm. If Kirk Cousins was on time with all his throws, we would have won 28 to nothing. Yeah, something you know, like but that. He <laughs> but he wasn't. You know? So that's the way the game goes. No, he was behind on every throw. Uh, they uh, squeaked one out. But, hey, that's the norm. We're not. We play Chicago this week. We're not going to know if we're going to win until the last minute of the game. Yeah. So it's nothing new to us. You Baker fans, you have a lot of trouble with this. This most games, you don't like it. Well, I have I a little, I have a little, I have a little issue with it yesterday because that game had no business being close. The Vikings, you're playing a Saints team, Saints team that has some good players. It's in London. That, that's a little different. The Packers, you saw it on TV yesterday. That was a picture perfect game at Lambeau against a third string quarterback of a team that has won one game all year. They, the Packers, should have beat the tar out of, or at least been excited to play. They didn't even look excited yesterday. Well. You know, that's just the way it goes. I mean, they got a really good coach. And they do have a fairly good defense. I I was reading up this weekend, you know, before the game on my, you know, for my fantasy football. Good for you. They're actually, defense is ranked pretty high, isn't it? I'm sorry, did you say Saints or Packers? No, uh, uh, Patriots. Oh, yeah, they're, actually, they're fine, but they're not the Bucks. I mean, they played the Bucks last week. That that defense is, they're good. But you, you, when you're at home and you're going against a third-string quarterback, that should only matter so much. Did the Bucks defense look very good last night? No, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to play defense in the NFL. Even good defenses have really bad days. Yeah, they do. And and, and I know I learned, I learned this from you, Grant. Mm -hmm. If you guys are going to depend on defense and a running game to take you to the promised land, 
Uh, that's a rough, that's a, that's a long road. I don't want to depend on my defense. I want to depend on my offense. And then on, on the couple of plays a game or the bad game once a month where the offense has a rough day, then I want to be able to trust my defense to, to pick us up. I don't want to lead. The defense is not leading the charge. The defense is is the the guy coming off the bench who you just need every once in a while to come pick you up. You know what I mean? So you think the Packers have a ways to go? Then is what you're saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Before they Romeo Dobbs came through for me. He had a pretty One good. He had a pretty good game yesterday. He should have had a second. He, he's looked pretty good. He should have had a second, but I did hear a bunch of people like, you know, they're like, oh well. You know, he is a rookie, and I'm just like, yep. really? You know, what, in college football, it's okay to draft the ball? <laughs> yeah, they don't know that. It's a good point. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, I know it, what you mean. It, it, it just gets used to catching the ball again. I don't know. But that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> he took me over the top. I mean, I'm actually leading in my fantasy football matchup tonight. I got one player left. Okay. All of his players have played. I got one left. I got the Rams tight end. The only way I can lose is if they throw a screen to the tight end and he loses yardage and gets hurt. All right. The only way I can lose. Well, we're cheering for you tonight. Who do you, who do you have? Happen. Higby? Is that the guy? Higby. I gotcha. Higby. All right, I'll be pulling but for But Romeo Dubs did come through. I think Romeo Dubs is going to be... The number one receiver there, Lazard, is always going to be a number three. He's always Lazard. Lazard is Lazard, and he just is the same guy. Yep. So, how did you survive Oktoberfest weekend? Uh, it was good. It was really fun. Um, Oktoberfest gets more fun as I get older because you go to the parade and you go to, you know, when I lived up by the campus, you know, you're kind of in your own little bubble. You know, now I live and I work downtown, and I can go see the things and do the things, and so I, it gets fun. It gets more fun as I get older. I think that's my Oktoberfest take. If you go up by the college area on, on Sunday morning of Oktoberfest, it looks like a solo cup bomb went off. Yeah, they, those students, like a, they, they need to just take an hour Sunday morning and pick up their yards a little bit, yeah. They do. Yeah. Hey, can you do me one more favor? Yep, got to go in a minute, but I can do you one more thing, yeah. Can you post last Thursday's show? Uh, yes, I should be able to do on that. podcast. Why do you ask? Are you a podcast? That'd be awesome. I do listen to podcasts every time. Every once in a while, I like, you were talking to somebody about that show, and I'm I'm into this fantasy football now. I'm trying to grasp every little bit I can. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because I'm going to win. I, I got to take one more break, win. I'll, I'll cheer for Higby tonight for you, I promise. Cheer for Higby, and, uh... You know, I, who's who's back play? Oh, they play in England. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna beat the Giants. Yeah, we we hope they, they beat should. The Giants. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Have a have a good night. Everyone cheer for Tyler Higby tonight. I do have to take a break, like right now. We'll be back. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Fun show tonight. Hectic, but that's okay. That's kind of what I expected. A million things went down yesterday. The NFL and the Packers, and we barely even touched the Vikings. We'll do more of that tomorrow. I want to talk more Packers. 
And we got to do Club NFL tomorrow, too, which got postponed a little bit because of the Paul Chris news, which we'll touch more on tomorrow as well. Mike Clemens will also be here. Always look forward to our chats with Mike. If you missed earlier in the show, we chatted with Ben Kenny of Kenny and Heilbrin, which will be on tomorrow night. Look forward to that. He also released a pod today. Just him uh, with all of his Paul Chris thoughts. I don't know how long it went, but I assume there's plenty of meat on that bone. I imagine he had plenty to say. So go find that. Just search Kenny and Heilprin wherever you normally listen. That'll do the trick. And if you miss my conversation with Ben, it'll be in the podcast, which I'll post in about 10 minutes here. Yeah, I think we got it all out there. RIP to Paul Christ. I'll miss him. I'm a Paul Christ fan, but I get why Chris McIntosh and the Badgers, Wisconsin. I get why they did what they did, but it's certainly a bummer. I'll miss the guy. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. More Badgers, more Packers, and Club NFL. Mike Clemens, too. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.